Chapter Twenty Two of the Iron Horse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Iron Horse by Robert Michael Ballantyne. Chapter Twenty Two. Mrs. Tipps goes on a journey and meets a gentleman who, with much assurance, comments freely on insurance on a particular holiday it was advertised that a great excursion train would start from the clatterby station at a certain hour at the appointed time the long line of carriages was pushed up to the platform by our friend john marrot who was appointed that day to drive the train bill remarked john to his mate it'll be a biggish train there's an uncommon lot of people on the platform they're pretty thick replied will garvie wiping his countenance with a piece of waste which while it removed the perspiration left behind a good deal of oil and streaked his nose with coal dust but will was not particular the excursionists were indeed unusually numerous it chanced to be a fine day and the platform was densely crowded with human beings many of whom moved when movement was possible in groups showing that there were various sections that had a common aim and interest and meant to keep together as much as possible there were men there who had evidently made up their minds to a thoroughly enjoyable day and women whose aspects were careworn but cheerful to whom a holiday was probably a memorable event in the year of young people there was of course a considerable sprinkling and amongst the crowd could be seen a number of individuals whose amused expression of countenance and general aspect bespoke them ordinary travellers who meant to avail themselves of a cheap train all classes and conditions of men women and children were hustling each other in a state of great excitement but the preponderating class was that which is familiarly though not very respectfully styled the masses mrs marrot was there too much against her will and little gertie a sister of the former who lived about twenty miles from clatterby had a short time before made her husband a present of a fine fat pugilistic boy and mrs m felt constrained to pay her a visit john was on the lookout for his wife and child so was will garvie the former waved a piece of cotton waste to her when she arrived she caught sight of him and gave him a cheerful nod in reply and an unexpressed blessing on his weather-beaten face arose in her heart as garvie pushed through the crowd and conducted her and gertie to a carriage timid little mrs tipps was also there it is probable that no power on earth save that of physical force could have induced mrs tipps to enter an excursion train for which above all other sorts of trains she entertained a species of solemn horror but the excitement consequent on the unexpected recovery of the diamond ring and the still more unexpected accession of wealth consequent thereon had induced her to smother her dislike to railways for a time and avail herself of their services in order to run down to a town about twenty miles off for the purpose of telling the good news to netta who chanced to be on a short visit to a friend there at the time when mrs tipps reached the station her ignorance of railway matters and the confused mental state which was her normal condition prevented her from observing that the train was an excursion one 
she therefore took out a first-class ticket and also an insurance ticket for five hundred pounds for which latter she paid sixpence her ignorance and perturbation also prevented her from observing that this rate of insurance was considerably higher than she was accustomed to pay owing to the fact of the train being an excursion one if she had been going by an ordinary train she could have insured one thousand pounds first class for three pence half that sum second class for two pence and two hundred pounds third class for the ridiculously small sum of one penny good mrs tipps held the opinion so firmly that accident was the usual and all but inevitable accompaniment of railway travelling that she invariably insured her life when compelled to undertake a journey it was of no avail that her son joseph pointed out to her that accidents were in reality few and far between and that they bore an excessively small proportion to the numbers of journeys undertaken annually mrs tipps was not to be moved in regard to that subject she had to use one of her late husband's phrases nailed her colours to the mast and could not haul them down even though she would she therefore when about to undertake a journey invariably took out an insurance ticket as we have said and this solely with the views to netta's future benefit we would not have it supposed that we object here to the principle of insuring against accident on the contrary we consider that principle to be a wise one and in some cases one that becomes almost a duty when mrs tipps discovered that mrs marrot and gertie were going by the same train she was so much delighted at the unlooked-for companionship that she at once entered the third class where they sat and began to make herself comfortable beside them but presently recollecting that she had a first-class ticket she started up and insisted on mrs marrot and gertie going first class along with her saying that she would pay the difference mrs marrot remonstrated but mrs tipps strong in her natural liberality of spirit which had been rather wildly set free by her recent good fortune would not be denied you must come with me mrs marrot she said i'm so frightened in railways you have no idea what a relief it is to me to have anyone near me whom i know i will change your tickets let me have them quick we have no time to lose there now wait till i return oh i forgot your insurance tickets why bless you ma'am we never insures you never insure exclaimed mrs tipps in amazement and it only costs you threepence for one thousand pounds well i don't know nothing as to that said mrs marrot before she could finish the sentence mrs tipps was gone she returned in breathless haste beckoned mrs marrot and gertie to follow her and was finally hurried with them into a first-class carriage just as the train began to move their only other companion in the carriage was a stout little old gentleman with a bright complexion speaking eyes and the countenance in which benevolence appeared to struggle with enthusiasm for the mastery he was obviously one of those men who delight in conversation and he quickly took an opportunity of engaging in it observing that mrs tipps presented an insurance ticket to each of her companions he said i am glad to see madam that you are so prudent as to insure the lives of your friends i always insure my own life replied mrs tipps with a little smile and feel it incumbent on me at least to advise my friends to do the same quite right quite right madam replied the enthusiastic little man applying his handkerchief to his bald pate 
with such energy that it shone like a billiard-ball quite right madam i only wish that the public at large were equally alive to the great value of insurance against accident why ma'am it's a duty a positive duty here he addressed himself to mrs marrot to insure one's life against accident oh la sir is it said mrs marrot quite earnestly yes it is why look here this is your child he laid his hand gently on gertie's head yes sir she is well my good woman suppose that you are a widow and are killed mrs marrot looked as if she would rather not suppose anything of the sort what i ask what becomes of your child left a beggar an absolute beggar he looked quite triumphantly at mrs tipps and her companions and waited a few seconds as if to allow the idea to exert its full force on them but sir observed mrs marrot meekly supposing that there do be an accident she shivered a little that ticket won't prevent me being killed you know no ma'am no but it will prevent your sweet daughter from being left a beggar that is on the supposition that you are a widow which i ain't sir i'm happy to say remarked mrs marrot but sir supposing we was both of us killed she paused abruptly as if she had committed a sin in merely giving utterance to the idea why then your other children would get the five hundred pounds or your heirs whoever they may be it's a splendid system that of insurance against accident just look at me now he spread out his hands and displayed himself looking from one to the other as if he were holding up to admiration something rare and beautiful just look at me i'm off on a tour of three months through england scotland and ireland not for my health madam as you may see but for scientific purposes well what do i do i go to the railway passengers assurance company's office sixty four cornhill london i like to be particular you see as become one who professes to be an amateur student of the exact sciences and i take out what they call a short-term policy of insurance against accidents of all kinds for a thousand pounds one thousand pounds observe for which i pay the paltry sum of thirty shillings one pound ten shillings well what then away i go leaving behind me with perfect indifference a wife and two little boys remarkable little boys madam i assure you perfect marvels of health and intelligence both of them two little boys madam which have not been equalled since cain and abel were born every one says so with the exception of a few of the cynical and jaundiced among men and women and pray why am i so indifferent just because they are provided for they have a moderately good income secured to them as it is and the one thousand pounds which i have insured on my life will render it a competence in the event of my being killed it will add fifty pounds a year to their income which happens to be the turning point of comfort and what of myself why with a perfectly easy conscience i may go and do what i please if i get drowned in loch katrine what matter if i break my neck in the gap of dunlow what matter if i get lost and frozen on the steeps of ben nevis or goat fell what matter if i am crushed to death in a railway accident or get entangled in machinery and am torn to atoms still i say what matter one thousand pounds must at once be paid down to my widow and children and all because of the pitiful sum of thirty shillings but suppose continued the enthusiastic man 
deepening his tone as he became more earnest suppose that i am not killed but only severely injured and mangled so as to be utterly unfit to attend to my worldly affairs what then mrs tipps shuddered to think of what then why continued the enthusiastic gentleman i shall in that case be allowed from the company six pounds a week until recovered or in the event of my sinking under my injuries within three months after the accident the whole sum of one thousand pounds will be paid to my family mrs tipps smiled and nodded her head approvingly but mrs marrot still looked dubious but sir she said supposing you don't get either hurt or killed why then replied the elderly gentleman and only fifty shillings out of pocket which you must admit is but a trifling addition to the expenses of a three months tour besides have i not had three months of an easy mind and of utter regardlessness as to my life and limbs have not my wife and boys had three months of easy mind and indifference to my life and limbs also is not all that cheaply purchased at thirty shillings while the sum itself i have the satisfaction of knowing goes to increase the funds of that excellent company which enables you and me and thousands of others to become so easy-minded and reckless and which at the same time pays its fortunate shareholders a handsome dividend really sir said mrs tipps laughing you talk so enthusiastically of this insurance company that i almost suspect you to be a director of it madam replied the elderly gentleman with some severity if i were a director of it which i grieve to say i am not i should only be doing my simple duty to it and to you in thus urging it on your attention but i am altogether uninterested in it except as a philanthropist i see and feel that it does good to myself and to my fellow-men therefore i wish my fellow-men to appreciate it more highly than they do for it not only insures against accident by railway but against all kinds of accidents while its arrangements are made to suit the convenience of the public in every possible way why madam he continued kindling up again and polishing his head violently only think for the small sum of four pounds paid annually it insures that you shall have paid to your family if you chance to be killed the sum of one thousand pounds or if not killed six pounds a week while you are totally laid up and one pound ten shillings a week while you are only partially disabled and yet would you believe it many persons who seek the value of this and begin the wise course of insurance go on for only a few years and then foolishly give it up disappointed i presume that no accident has happened to them see here is one of their pamphlets he pulled a paper out of his pocket energetically and put on a pair of gold spectacles through which he looked when consulting the pamphlet and over which he glanced when observing the effect of what he read on mrs tipps what do i find eh ha yes here it is a cornish auctioneer pushed back a window shutter these are the very words madam what more did he do than that shutter or what it did to him is not told but he must have come by some damage because he received fifty-five pounds a london clerk got his eye injured by a hairpin in his daughter's hair how suggestive is that madam what a picture it calls up of a wearied toil-worn man fondling his child of an evening pressing his cheek to her fair head and what a commentary it is he became very stern here 
on the use of such barbarous implements as hairpins i am not punning madam i am much too serious to pun i should have used the word savage instead of barbarous now what was the result this company gave that clerk compensation to the extent of twenty six pounds again a medical practitioner fell through the floor of a room it must have been a bad as it certainly was a strange fall probably he was heavy and the floor decayed at all events that fall procured him one hundred twenty pounds a cardiff agent was bathing his feet why we are not told but imagination is not slow to comprehend the reason when the severity of our climate is taken into account he broke the footpan a much less comprehensible thing and the breaking of that footpan did him damage for which he was compensated with fifty two pounds sixteen shillings again a merchant of birkenhead was paid twenty pounds for playing with his children dear me sir exclaimed mrs marrot in surprise surely of course my good woman said the elderly gentleman you are to understand that he came by some damage while doing so but i give you the exact words of the pamphlet it were desirable that a little more information had been given just to gratify our curiosity now these that i have read are under the head of accidents at home under other heads we find a farmer suffocated by the falling in of a sand pit for which his representatives received one thousand pounds another thousand is paid to the heirs of a poor dyer who fell into a vat of boiling liquor while in regard to smaller matters a warehouse man whose finger caught in the cogwheel of a crane received thirty pounds and again here is one thousand pounds to a gentleman killed in a railway accident and one hundred pounds to a poor woman the latter had insured for a single trip in an excursion train at a charge of two pence while the former had a policy of insurance extending over a considerable period for which he probably paid twenty or thirty shillings these are but samples madam of the good service rendered to sorrowing humanity by this assurance company which you must observe makes no pretensions to philanthropic aims but is based simply on business principles and i find that the total amount of compensation paid in this manner during one year by this company amounts to about seventy two thousand pounds as mrs marrot yawned at this point and mrs tipps appeared somewhat mystified the enthusiastic gentleman smiled put away his pamphlet and wisely changed the subject he commented on the extreme beauty of the weather and how fortunate this state of things was for the people who went to the country for a day's enjoyment thus pleasantly he whiled away the time and ingratiated himself with gertie until they arrived at the station where mrs tipps and mrs marrot had to get out and where many of the excursionists got out along with them while the former went their several ways arranging to meet in the evening and return together by the same train the latter scattered themselves over the neighbouring common and green fields and sitting down under the hedgerows among the wild flowers picnicked in the sunshine or wandered about the lanes enjoying the song of birds and scent of flowers and wishing perchance that their lot had been cast among the green pastures of the country rather than amid the din and smoke and turmoil of the town End of chapter 22